For all you lovers of the Beehive State, welcome to the Utah Fan Club Podcast, where we're spreading the buzz about why Utah is the bee's knees. This western state is quite the hub to learn more. Join with us at the Utah Fan Club. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Wazi Tech, Utah's premier IT support company. They will help you with any of your IT needs. Go to www.wazitech.com. That's W-A-Z-I-T-E-C-H.com. Welcome to the Utah Fan Club. I'm Kelly, and I'm the foreign correspondent here, repping the down under. <laughs> well, and we feel really privileged to have uh, Ozzy here. Do you like being called Ozzy? Like, mm-hmm. as if you just no, gave me a look no. like, oh, no. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> if you called me an Aussie, maybe, but more than happy for you to call me an Aussie. Okay, okay. <laughs> My name's Steph, and I am the ambassador of the Utah Fan Club, if you're listening for the first time and you don't know that. Welcome. Welcome. So a little background on today's guest. So last year, around Valentine's Day, we interviewed Utah's dating coach. And this year, I wanted to do another love theme. So we're interviewing the LDS matchmaker, Amy Steele, And I'm really excited for this interview. I'm super excited. I've got my notepad ready. (laughs) (laughs) Taking notes on all of her wisdom. Well, because even before we started recording, we were talking on the phone as I was driving (laughs) home. And we were just talking about dating and how... What a joyful experience it is. (laughs) How much we love it. Never confusing. (laughs) And I really think that... Who can't use more help in dating even the people that look like models mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe act like all suave if they're still single it's for a reason <laughs> it's not just the rest of us <laughs> yeah. so let's hear what amy has to say amy tell us how it all began how did you become the lds matchmaker well I was really actually drawn to the industry because of my own life experiences. I was an executive recruiter before I started the company, and I found myself single again after a temple marriage. And, well, I decided to merge my personal experience and professional experience to do something that I was passionate about, to help others during a time when I was going through kind of my own personal crisis and it turned out to be one of the most fulfilling things and amazing decisions of my life. I was working as an executive recruiter and I was working way more hours than I wanted to and one night on CNN I saw this famous matchmaker and she was talking about how she she would take these clients and she would search for kind of this needle in a haystack. The way she described things was a lot like my day job. And I thought, you know, maybe that's my answer. I, I need to take my skill set and do something different. So I started researching the matchmaking industry and discovered that there was actually a matchmaking institute in New York City. And so I contacted them and long story short, got a certification to be a matchmaker and I also got some other certifications to also do coaching and just finally got the guts to leave my corporate job and 
go out and do something I loved and built the company from there. So it's been eight years since that happened and we're still going strong. And what better way to cure your own singleness than having all the quality men come to you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. And it did. It ultimately led me to my husband. That's fantastic. You are a certified matchmaker. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Like, do you guys uh-huh. learn about personality types or? There's a lot of different classes because it's unique. There's a whole community of matchmakers that come together. They have a conference every year and we have even Facebook groups that are private where we can collaborate. And there's a lot of very common situations that we encounter and there are niche matchmakers for everything under the sun and um, so I am focused on the Latter-day Saint community there are Jewish matchmakers there's Asian matchmakers there's there's a lot of different matchmakers who focus on a specific niche and then there's more location-based matchmakers it's very big on the East Coast. I know several matchmakers in New York City. And even though it's, you know, a small geographic, but there's so many people who live there. And so they need help getting together. And matchmaking is a really big deal in New York. It's kind of competitive. And so there's a lot of matchmakers that I collaborate with there. So the the matchmaking conference is in New York and they they have uh, classes anywhere from how to find great matches for your clients, how to deal with difficult issues in terms of different types of different reasons why people might need a matchmaker. And, and so I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that and why what are some of the common things that people why people would hire a matchmaker and so they have psychologists on staff at the matchmaking institute that talk about how to coach clients through attachment issues or through you know post-divorce those types of things so there is a certification process and then they, they have other groups, like one of them is called the International Dating Association that's a different entity. And so I attend that conference as well sometimes. And I'm also certified through the Mars and Venus Association. And that was back in the day. John oh. Gray wrote the book, <laughs> Men Are From Mars, Women Are I didn't From realize Venus. That was- and <laughs> I know. So my business coach is actually the CEO of that group. And so he coaches me on gender intelligence. And so that's more more into even the business world on how men and women might think differently about everything from dating to business transactions. And so there's a lot of resources out there. It's just a very unique industry for sure. I just think it's cool hearing you talk about it's not your just you're like, oh, they would look t- good together. They're a good match. <laughs> They're <both> single. Yeah. <laughs> like you're looking at all aspects. And I think that's also it, it's neat to hear that there's matchmakers throughout mm-hmm. the US too. Like sometimes you think of that as more a 
Middle Eastern thing, but that there's people <laughs> everywhere that's, that are looking for love. I've been really lucky to train with some of the world's best matchmakers. There's, of course, Patty Stanger. She became, she made matchmaking really visible with the Millionaire Matchmaker Show. Some of the conferences that I've attended, she's spoken and I've had some training with her and also Paul Brunson. He's a very well-known matchmaker and he's excellent. And I've been really lucky to have some personalized one-on-one training with him. And I also flew to Colorado, me and my team. And we had a team two, three-day training with Rachel Greenwald. So she does personalized training for matchmakers and has her own certification process. So I've done a lot of different training because I believe that it's very important to be well-rounded and not just follow one specific philosophy because you can learn so much from different approaches. And because people are so different, I've found that it's important to be ever learning And even as I've evolved over the eight years I've been in business, I've seen an evolution in the dating world, right? Like I started out and at the time dating apps were not as big and now they're even, they're much bigger. Very much so. (laughs) We, We don't replace dating apps. We're different than a dating app. We're a personalized service, but we have to look at how they interplay and interlink with our service. And so we have to continue to evolve as a company. It sounds like you're very thoroughly qualified in lots of different areas. So I have to ask you, is your now husband a former client? That was my question. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great question. He was actually an almost client because... What happened Can't date the client. is <laughs> he signed up for a free consultation, which is the starting point when someone is interested in being a client. So I had him on my schedule. I didn't know who he was, and I didn't really think much about it. I, I, I knew I had a consultation, but I, I have lots of consultations, and meanwhile, me being single, I was on dating apps and I was swiping on Tinder and lo and behold, I swiped with this really cute guy and we were planning to go to get yogurt and we were messaging back and forth. And the day before our yogurt date, he says to me on the app, that he had a confession to make that he was actually on my schedule for a free consultation, <laughs> but that he knew through the grapevine that I don't date clients and that he would rather go out with me. And so that he was going to cancel his consultation. <laughs> so I was super he impressed. He's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was semi stalking me. Yeah. And how flattering. He, <laughs> I was excited because many times I would be screened out to go on dates 
because men would say, oh, well, I, I want to see what kind of matches you have. I don't want to ask you out. Yeah, you don't want to kill the golden goose. You want to <laughs> you want to check that out first. That was probably really flattering that you're like, oh, you're giving up all these options. Exactly. So you mentioned earlier that you have a team now, like, and it makes sense that you can't fulfill all of this alone. How big is your team these days? So there's 10 of us. We are all cross-trained, but... We do specialize. We have matchmakers and stylists and coaches. And so each of us plays a specific role. I I do a lot of the coaching and the high-level matchmaking. And then I have matchmakers, stylists, and coaches that get involved in different parts of the process. And we team up so that... Each client gets a team experience and we back each other up if someone's out of the office. So it's it's actually really great, too, because if we ever have a situation where we want a second opinion, we collaborate as a team. And we also have staff meetings where the client receives the benefit of our team being able to meet and talk about new leads that one of the other team members might have for them. And in that way, they benefit from not just one person being their matchmaker. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm just curious, you talk about how they have a stylist. Do you see a big difference from people changing their style and their attraction level going up? Yes, actually. So the image and styling aspect is pretty big. Everyone we work with, we do an image assessment because image is a form of communication. So we're sending a message by the way that we dress and groom and take care of ourselves. So it's not about being the most genetically beautiful person, but it's about being the best version of ourselves. And Whenever we meet with a a new client, we start by assessing their range of attraction and we show them photos and have them evaluate, well, how attracted are you to these people that we're showing you? And it's usually 20, 30 photos. And it's extremely rare for someone to say, oh, I'm attracted to all of them equally. I mean, that never happens. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has opinions. And and it's not necessarily just, oh, that person is so good looking. It's, oh, I like, I'm drawn to the smile. Oh, I like the eyes, that their eyes say something or whatever it might be, or even that they're wearing bright colors and and that makes me happy. So there's always something that, is communicating something back to the person and there's preferences right and so there's this range of attraction and for some people they're going to have you know if we show them 30 people maybe the majority of the people they're going to be interested in going out with but they've still verbalized preferences through that process and for other people, there's just a few people that stand out. And so by the end of that exercise, 
we have a much clearer idea of, I guess, their range of attraction, I guess is the best way to say it, or their pickiness factor is another way. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so by the end of that exercise, we are able to say, okay, now the ones that you're most excited about, what kind of person do you think they are looking for? These people that you're most excited about. And we that's kind of a starting point for us to then have a conversation about their image and their style. And most people are pretty open to it and want to be the best version of themselves. They just aren't necessarily sure how to go about it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really fun for most people. And there are some who are, are resistant. Men are actually the most open to it because there's a lot of men who haven't purchased new clothing in years. <laughs> no, I-, <laughs> I mean, literally men who have been back from a mission 10, 20 plus years, and they haven't bought new clothes, literally. <laughs> so our process is that we do a wardrobe consultation. We'll go to their home and we'll go through, you know, what what do you wear out of out of your closet? And a lot of times we're going to do the whole what not to wear. <laughs> Say yes, no, maybe, and get rid of it. Because why should you take up space in your closet with stuff you're not wearing? And if it doesn't spark joy. <laughs> so let's get rid of all this stuff. And if they're really tied to certain things, then maybe we don't love it as much, but we don't want to completely chuck everything. Like that Ninja Turtle t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for some people, that's a very emotional process, so it takes longer. And other people are very, very open and ready. So we have to go through that process more delicately. But, you know, for men, it actually is easier than for women. And a lot of times as women, we we have an emotional connection to a lot of our clothing for different reasons. And so when we go shopping with men, even if they say their their budget is small, a lot of times men drop a a pile of cash and and they say, okay, I'm not going shopping for another 10 years. (laughs) And so they're just ready. Like, hopefully they find a wife before then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Men prefer that the woman in their life do the shopping. And that's great. And the good news about that is if the guy doesn't dress very well, that's a pretty minor problem for you because you can dress him and he's usually going to be okay with that. And that's very changeable. So don't let that be a deal breaker. So with women, it's a little different. And a lot of times women feel very emotional about making changes for, for a lot of different reasons. And so we do approach that more delicately. Uh, But when she is ready, she's, pretty willing and she'll let us you know guide her through the process and and it's extremely rare even in the most difficult of situations for the client not to be absolutely thrilled with the results so it might be emotional going through it but when we get done 
they are absolutely thrilled. And we, it's not about us trying to change who they are or make them look completely different out of their comfort zone. We're very respectful about what they, what they really aren't willing to do. So we had a client who her, she really wasn't willing to dye her hair and it actually looked good on her. It was gray and she could rock it. But if we really feel like it's not working for them, we're going to push a little more mm-hmm. and try to get them out of their comfort zone. We have to pick our battles sometimes. So the image process is interesting for sure, but we really need to help them market themselves effectively because whether we like it or not, the attraction piece is part of dating mm-hmm. and the opposite sex is looking at attraction. And that's how we first get noticed. And if we were going to a job interview, we, we would want to look our best. So sometimes people even send me photos, really bad photos, as the matchmaker. And they show up to meet with me and they they actually look better than the photos. So their reasoning is, well, I want to use photos that... Lower the expectations. <laughs> They get really hung up on flawed logic in dating, and they they just need to kind of rethink their strategy, and we help them with that. You talked about how people sort of get caught up in these thinking errors. Are there certain things that you found that are common thinking errors with women and with men, mm-hmm. or maybe what they can do to change that? I think that... There certainly are some really common thinking errors. I mean, if we're talking about the the main thinking errors, of course, all or nothing thinking, <laughs> filtering out the positive are two of my favorites and emotional reasoning. And I really challenge my clients, of course, because I'm talking with them and they'll contradict themselves when we're talking. And so I'll... I'll call it and say, well, um, you said that nothing ever goes your way. And yet (laughs) you just told me about this great date you had last week, but now that they don't like you or they're not calling you back, (laughs) um, you're saying that, that no one ever asked you out. Right. But they did ask you out. So, and they'll say, Oh, well that didn't count or whatever. And so, I'm challenging them and sometimes we semi-argue. I mean, it's kind of a funny arguing because they know I, I got them, (laughs) 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 but (laughs) (laughs) or the emotional reasoning is crazy because when, when they feel emotion, it's really hard to let go and not let that emotion talk. Um, if they feel scared, then, you know, if they haven't heard back and it's been two hours, they convince themselves that this person hates them and that they are absolutely worthless and that they're never going to get married. I love that we're laughing because we, we have can totally no idea it. what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> Right. And so I'm talking them off that ledge of committing dating suicide because (laughs) they're about ready to send this text that is saying, look, if you think I'm a complete loser, then why did we have that long talk and like share our deepest darkest secrets? And 
I'm tired of yada, yada, yada. And so I'm like, no, you're not sending that text. Stop. Have you sent Stop that already. Text? Like, <laughs> maybe they're busy. Maybe they're at work. And so men and women do it, actually. That's good to hear and that men do it also. Yeah. <laughs> ladies, you would be surprised at how much men do obsess over things uh, almost as much as you do. But in different that's ways good, sometimes. Yeah, that's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> so when we like someone, our emotions do take over a bit. And Just so that's bit. the problem. Some Sometimes men react differently and they avoid. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets, it gets confusing because we have no idea what they're thinking. And they ghost us because... They don't know what to do, so they ghost us. Anyway, what were you, what were you going to no, say? No, I just, I've never t- heard of it as, like, committing dating suicide <laughs> with, like, those texts. But as you were talking, I'm like, oh, how many times have I done that? And that's why everyone needs a matchmaker so that you can be like, step away from the ledge, put down the phone. <laughs> and so, walk you through this. Yeah, so that's what I want to do with my friends. Like, when we start freaking out, be like, step away from the ledge, <laughs> you're okay. I'm pretty sure I had that conversation with someone last night. <laughs> So that's another thing is when I became a matchmaker, I thought, well, I'm single. I know a lot of great people that I can bring together. And part of it was because I was single and I was a recruiter and I was outgoing. I was proactive about my dating life and I dated a lot, but I was also scared of having a bad situation again because I had been through a divorce. So I did a lot of these mistakes, but were disgusting. So I would cut things off really quickly if I saw any red or pink flag. But but I I thought they were great people for someone else. <laughs> so that's why I thought I I could set these people up yeah. with each other, and I could bring them together. But I quickly realized it wasn't just about setting people up on dates. These people need coaching. Yeah. But me being single, I didn't feel qualified. <laughs> to give advice. So I hired coaches to work for me to do the coaching because matchmaking isn't super effective without the coaching component. That's the thing. But most people hear matchmaker and they start singing filler on the roof. Matchmaker, matchmaker <laughs> makes me a match. And I just think, wow, that's easy. You have a match for you. You're good to go. Awesome. Right. That's that's really all they really want when they first call me. They they may have been on hundreds of dates and they think it's about the match. They think I'm going to call you. You're going to find me the perfect person and we're going to ride off into the sunset. And so there's a lot of pressure on me because they, they kind of remove any personal responsibility from themselves. And then they, they think Amy has the magic wand and so the first couple of years first few years of doing this kind of sucked for me because I took the personal responsibility on myself and I was doing more work than I should have been and these people were you know letting me and so I I finally learned through these coaches that I hired to work for me and through the matchmaking institute and the resources that I needed to start pushing back on my clients. And I needed to give that back and say, I can't be doing more work than you are. And so it's a beautiful thing now that I'm in 
a really good place. I'm really clear that, yes, I have great matches, but I also need for you to be willing to do the work that you need to do. And I, I only take clients that also have personal responsibility. And so the way my business has evolved is I have a good screening process for the clients I take. And so I don't actually take everyone for personal matchmaking. And so I I do have a lot of clients who come and they say, I don't want any coaching. I only want personal matchmaking. I kind of laugh a little bit inside when I hear that, but I, I say, okay, you know, and in my head, I just think we'll just kind of assess what they mean by that. So I'll meet with them and I'll go through that attraction assessment. And through that process, I understand more about what they mean when they say that. And so if I meet with them and they only say yes to one person and they're ultra picky, it might not be a good fit because if I'm looking for a needle in a haystack and they've (laughs) dated hundreds of people, I probably won't be able to be any more successful than they are because they are putting all of the responsibility on the dating pool, right? Yeah. And it's probably not the dating pool's fault. There's probably some other things going on with their perceptions about dating that is causing them not to be married. But if they're willing to consider that as part of the factors, then okay. So I'll bring that up. And see how the conversation goes. And if they're willing to say, you know, you might have something, there might be something to what you're saying. I'll say, okay, let's work together. I get that everyone has criteria and I'm totally willing to work with that and work hard. And, and I'm okay that you're particular. That's not a problem. But I just need you to be okay with me uh, kind of challenging your thinking as we go through this process. And if they're okay with that, then great. We are a match to work together. (laughs) I was actually wondering that because on Hitch, uh, (laughs) you know, he doesn't work with that, what was his name, Vince or Vance or whatever, Vince, because he was a little player. And so I was wondering if you had requirements for people. So it sounds like you do. I have players call me and I refer them to other services. (laughs) Have you downloaded? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you find then that people that are coming to you are they fairly open to change or are they coming like I'm perfect find me that perfect person that I haven't found yet like is there a common theme as to why people coming to you are single or is it a little bit of everything well there are some general things that I see where in general I think singles are very quick to dismiss potential dating options uh, because they they do have a long list of things that the other person needs to fit into in order to move forward with a second date or even go on a date mm-hmm. right um it's kind of an idealistic way to date that is in our culture and it makes it very difficult to get any kind of an emotional connection so these could include things like they need to live in the same location as me They need to be a certain body type. They need to be a certain height or have a certain hair color or like 
specific kinds of food or pets or have an uh, education or salary level or certain kinds of interests like a lot of demographical things that we get caught up in and I I'm just as guilty of that when I was single but I really teach my clients to focus on qualities and we make a list uh usually it's a top 10 list of qualities that we're seeking and and I go a lot deeper into what the qualities look like for them because someone can say I'm looking for kindness I'm looking for generosity I'm looking for sense of humor and it's very interesting how different people define the same qualities and how that will look for them in a relationship or an example of what that has or hasn't looked like as far as the absence of it in their relationship history and so in that first session where we're assessing if it's a good fit to work together, we are going through their relationship history and their top 10 list, as well as their attraction realm. And that's how we determine if it's a good fit. I mean, they're determining if they want to work with me and I'm determining if I think it's a good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. So linked to the issue of, of kind of the, dismissing potential dates that I've talked about publicly before is kind of the underlying soulmate thing. And we say we don't believe in soulmates, but if you were to ask most people, they'd say no, but they're still looking for the one. They're still looking for kind of a small group of people who kind of make it seem like there's only a a small finite group of people that they would match with, which makes it seem like potential dating partners are a finished product. And so if anyone has faults or weaknesses, when those are discovered, therefore that must not be my match because I can find someone better. And so if I'm dating someone and well, they're only an 8.5 on a scale of 1 through 10. Well, I, I might be able to find a, an 8.7, and then I find the 8.7, and and then, well, what if I can find a 9? Yeah. Or what if I can find a, find a 9.2? And so what is the opportunity cost of that 0.2, right? Mm-hmm. If I found the 9.2, maybe that's going to take me five years, and and I'm 35, and I find the 9.2, at 40, well, that five years could have cost me being able to have the children I want or being able to have being in a marriage for an extra five years where I could learn and grow together with someone versus on my own. And so I think that's what we're missing in this equation is people are in their head thinking that there are just certain people that they would match with. And it's sort of a reframing of things that is happening in our culture. How high is the fear of commitment aspect? Because I think back home in Australia, especially in the LES realm, we kind of are like, oh, we know everyone, you know, in the age bracket Mm -hmm. in Australia, and there's no one. There's no one to marry here because we know them all. (laughs) Whereas here I tend to think it kind of goes an opposite way where – 
oh, but they could be right around the corner. So I can't, you know, I can't commit to this person because what if around the corner is that nine or that yeah. 9.5? Yeah. Do you find that to be a big? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also think, so that is definitely the case here in Utah or even in in many parts of the U.S. And whether it's Australia or a remote part of the U.S., people say, I already know everyone. And yet, think outside the box. Could you either get to know someone on a different level, deeper level that you think you know, or could you get more creative and date long distance? I mean, how much do you really want to be married? Because you have limiting beliefs. Mm about finding someone and so you're giving up on the process because you believe it's not possible yeah definitely so what would you say is your number one piece of advice for single women and then we'll get to single men number one piece of advice it I think that as women it's important for you to play your role as a woman because in our society, we're in an era where you're being told not to. And that's counterproductive for you to be able to find the kind of man you want, who's going to treat you like a woman and be chivalrous. And so it's important for you to be feminine, to be warm and inviting, and for you to be available and let down your walls. And in my experience, most men that I meet with are very good men, and they feel like women don't see that. They they feel like women are assuming that they're addicted to porn, that they are being assumed that they're bad men, and that if they haven't committed yeah, that they're not going to commit. And so it's really important that you stop making these assumptions about all men. If you want to find a good man and you're making assumptions, then it's going to be hard to find a good man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so allow men to serve you and be chivalrous and let go of any negative, negative experiences you've had with men. And trust that there are men out there who are the kind of men that you're looking for. So to the guy, it's important to, if you are a guy who is a good guy. I mean, if you're a jerk, just stop listening right now. And we don't really want you to be around anyway. But I'm assuming we're talking to the good guys. So be a gentleman. And don't be afraid to, to be that and to show that. And don't make assumptions that women want a career versus being a wife and mother. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from a guy that he thinks that she wants to travel the world and have this awesome career and not get married because she talked about what she's doing with her life. <laughs> she's doing that because she hasn't gotten married yet. And she doesn't, she doesn't have want kids to, to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but be interested in her, be curious about her and ask for clarification. If you're wondering about something she said that 
made you think that there wasn't room for you in her life. <laughs> but the but I'm sorry, I'm giving more than one piece. No, of advice, no, we love men, it. Keep it coming. Willing, keep it coming. Men be willing to be vulnerable and show emotion and let her in. And you can still be confident and have a sense of humor. Women actually love it when you're kind of combining vulnerability and emotion, but still showing confidence and a sense of humor. The full Amen. package. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so much great advice. <laughs> so I've attended a fireside and a family home evening, actually, that you've spoken at. Is that something that you do regularly or did I just happen to catch, you know, the few? Yes, I do. I I often do speaking events. So whether it's a fireside, a family home evening, I've even spoken at uh, colleges. So I love different opportunities. So if people want you to come and speak, how do they reach out to you? There is actually a link on my website for speaking requests. So people can submit a request and then if I'm available, I will reply and if not we can see if we can work out another date excellent and your website is ldsmatchmaker.com nice and simple (laughs) and another way that people can hear your weekly advice about dating topics is with your friday night love facebook live so do you want to tell us a little bit about that yes so it did start out in the evening but it is now on fridays from noon to one o'clock so people can Mountain catch time. It before their dates. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you can have love. And if you don't catch it live on your lunch break, then you you can catch the replay on our Facebook page, which is just the LDS Matchmaker. And we have a different topic every week. And if you want to request a certain topic, just send us a message and we'll consider using it for one of our shows. That's great that we can just ask our questions. You might get a lot from me and Kelly. (laughs) We'll be regulars. Excellent. (laughs) So for you to wrap it up, what have you found to be the most rewarding part of this career you have as the LDS matchmaker? That is a tough one. There are lots of things that are very rewarding, but I would have to say watching clients go from being discouraged and in despair wondering if they're going to ever find someone in some cases never even having been on a second date or in a relationship to finding someone that they're absolutely thrilled to be with and in love with and just this weekend I I I attended two weddings and they were so happy and it was just a reminder of how much I love my job and there are some very hard things about my job and I deal with a lot of emotion both good and bad Uh, a lot of times people want to give up and they come to me with just like a seed of hope and wondering if maybe I can help them and usually after the first meeting they're pretty pumped and then we get going and sometimes there's a low point 
where things get hard, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm helping them to keep going through the hard stuff. And it's usually where they hit that low point where something good is right around the corner. And I know that, but there's really nothing I can say to convince them except just to help them keep going and just to convince them to keep going. And then once that really good stuff comes, they can't really remember how hard it was and they're just floating on cloud nine. So I just love seeing the success stories. I'm working myself out of a job. (laughs) (laughs) So if after hearing this, someone's really motivated to go out and actually do it, what, how they get started with you? What are the steps that they take? Yes. So we do a free consultation and we also have a free database. They can go to our website at ldsmatchmaker.com and there is a link. They can schedule a free consultation and or they can join our free database. Our free database is a great way for anyone to get involved on the most basic level to potentially be set up at no cost with our paying clients. And so our matchmakers, yeah, our matchmakers will review the profile they send us. So it's not an online dating site. It's an internal confidential database Mm -hmm. that has information about the person that sends in a profile and we review that to see if, hey, could this person be a potential match for our paying client? And if if you are potentially a match, we'll call you, we'll do an, a screening interview, and if you appear to be a match, we'll present you to our client. And if you both say yes to a date, we'll set up a date, and then we get feedback after the date to see how it went. And you guys take it from there if, if it was a good date. I think it's great that you get feedback because sometimes I'm like, I wish that with these dating apps, there was an app that went with it that people could just send their like an exit their, interview. Yeah, their, their comments like, right. mm, I'm not going out with her again because she said this weird thing or because of this. And then you right. know, because those people that they have the same thing wrong with them, they don't know. <laughs> I've legitimately, legitimately I know, right? <laughs> Could you just tell me why? It's like your own little trip visor review. Yeah, I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for spending time chatting with us. And for all you guys listening, head on over to ldsmatchmaker.com. And you can set up your free consultation and make sure to check out Amy every Friday at Friday Night Love on Facebook Live. You'll see all of the questions from Steph and I coming up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We might have to disguise our names a little. Awesome. Okay, well, you have a good night, Amy. You too. Take care. So, Kelly, what do you feel like you learned from this episode today? That is a great question. All the things. I think what stood out to me is that sometimes... The idea of going to a matchmaker feels like, oh, I've given up, like, I'm useless, I can't do this, I'll start paying someone else to do this for me because obviously I'm a lost cause on my own merits. And I think I remember having a conversation with someone who was kind of saying, well, to be honest, like, if you're looking for someone who's really, like, who really means it and, you know, is willing to put an effort, go, you know, 
find people who are paying for this service because then they obviously are invested in it. They're not just like swiping to swipe or, you know, they're, they're not just bored and like looking for fun. It's like they're really invested in finding a partner. And so that might be your best avenue of finding people who are sincere and genuine in looking to be married. And so I think as we were talking to Amy, that kind of kept coming back to me that, yeah, this isn't a place you go because you've given up. It's okay. I've got like time is a factor in my life. Let's optimize and be more efficient in this dating realm. And he's a great way to do it. No, I agree exactly what you're saying of just feeling like, oh, is that giving up to go to a matchmaker or like what type of people are you going to find that are also getting matchmakers? But it does make sense, especially as people are getting older and they're busier in their careers and wanting to weed through those people that are just playing games. And so how cool, I actually was talking about all these services that they offered. I'm like, how cool to have them like sit down and Mm -hmm. talk with you over these thinking errors and be like, do not send that text. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if I could have just someone tell me that alone, like that would help me. (laughs) And to like post date feedback alone. Yeah, that would be awesome. Whatever I need to pay. To have someone be like, oh, they talked a little too much or Mm -hmm. they didn't ask me questions. Or, they didn't look interested. Or they had really bad breath. Or you Yeah, know. please tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm with you where I'm like, I want the honest yeah. feedback. And so so I think that it really it, it's true. It's not something that yeah. it's the last resort or you're desperate, but it's more being instead of being a window shopper, being like, okay, yeah, I'm serious about this yeah. and I'm gonna make this efficient. Yeah, make some changes. And also what she talked about was style that that sometimes we want to be like, well, attraction is important, but mm-hmm. how we're portraying ourselves. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what size you are, how you look. When someone walks in and they're wearing something mm-hmm. that flatters yeah. them and they look mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. And it's making them feel confident. Yeah. Goes a long way. Good. So, so much good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you were my co-host today. I was so happy to be here. So if any of you tall males that <laughs> love Australian w- women want to contact Kelly, her information will be on the website. <laughs> thanks for listening, Utah. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Wazi Tech, Utah's premier IT support company. They will help you with any of your IT needs. Go to www.wazitech.com. That's W-A-Z-I-T-E-C-H.com. If you love the beehive state, we're here to tell you why it is great. From Lake Powell up to Bear Lake, our scenery just can't fake. Our number of counties is 29 All with plenty of places you can dine This western state is quite the hub To learn more, join with us at the Utah Fan Club Mm -hmm.